Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. going through a new sermon series. Pastor X started this two weeks ago. It's called New Mercies, and it's all about our favorite subject, change, right? How many of you guys like change? How many of you guys are the people that like change? How many of you hate change? You just want everything to stay the same. All right, there's a few. How many of you just don't care? Okay, that's fair. That's fair, right? So he talked about the three different zones, the beginning zone of change, the neutral zone, and the end zone. Essentially, the three steps of where you're at and change in your life and how you need to adjust those things. Today, I'm going to talk more a little spiritual, but before we get into that, how many of you guys have ever had conditioning for a sport? Anybody? How many of you guys have ever decided you wanted to start a new workout, right? Those things are kind of hard, and it, it seems like in both of those situations, the motto for those is no pain or no gain, right? No pain, no gain, especially in football conditioning. I was part of football conditioning when I was in high school, and I loved football. I wasn't really big enough to play because I was short and tiny, and I probably weighed 110 soaking wet with a couple of weights attached to my ankles, right? But I really feel like my football coach took no pain, no gain to the next level. I feel like during conditioning, his whole goal was to get us to puke or to groan in pain lying on the ground. That's really what I felt like because, man, I remember one time they had the football lines drawn in our practice field, and we had to do ladders. You know what ladders are, guys, where you run up five yards, you run all the way across the field, you run up five yards, you run all the way back across the field. We had to do that for 50 yards. By the end of that time, I was done. I mean, that's so you do that 50 yards, but you're going 50 yards this way, five yards this way, 50 yards this way, five yards, 50, and you're doing that every five yards. That was ridiculous. And of course, I threw up at the end of that, right? And laid on the pone, and laid on the ground, groaning in pain. So I had both of those, and I feel like my coaches were proud in that moment. Yes, we got Kenny to do that. But that's not why they did it. That's not the whole reason that they made us go through conditioning. Or not the whole reason that we go through weightlifting and workouts. The reason is because our coaches wanted us to be conditioned for the fourth quarter. They were trying to change us into our beach swimming people, into football players, or whatever sports you were in. They were trying to make it so that when that last quarter or those last minutes or whatever it was came up, that you'd be able to have the gas to keep moving on. So they were trying to change 110-pound me into something that would be able to let. I never really saw the field, so I don't know why they needed to condition me for anything. But they were trying to change everyone into something that they could use as a football player. And so the same thing can be said of our lives is God is trying to change all of us into something that he can use as a vessel that he wants to do stuff with, right? And so today, the process of change that I want to talk about is sanctification. It's that conditioning that God gives us that changes us essentially to be more like Christ. Sanctification is a big $5, whatever kind of word that you want to say, and it just literally means the process of becoming more like Christ. How many of you would love to be more like Christ? Amen. Because in in the Bible, I mean, 
the things that he did, the things that he said, and the abilities that he had. It would be incredible to be more like him. And so sanctification is, is that big word for becoming more like Christ. And we find this in Colossians 3, verses 1 and verse 10, and it says this. should be on the screen for you. Since you have been raised to a new life in Christ, and this is the New Living Translation, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Put on your new nature, this is verse 10, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Put on your new self, your new nature, and be renewed as you learn to what? Know your creator and to become like him. That's what it means to be a Christian is you learn to know Christ. You learn to know what he desires, and those desires become your desires, where you become like him, right? The Christian walk or the relationship we have with Jesus is just a journey for the rest of our lives. It's not something where you get saved and poof, you're the perfect Christian. You will no longer sin. You will no longer do all those bad things that you did before. Now, can God do those things? Absolutely. God can change you in an instant. But there's still a process. There's still things that you've got to go through every day of the week where you're saying, God, I'm going to serve you today. I'm going to do the best that I can. Show me something, God, to change in my life so that I can be more like you, right? It's not something where it's just going to happen automatically. It's something that's a moment or many moments, many processes, baby steps. We all like to say baby steps. We're going to take step by step every day to become more like Christ. That's what sanctification is. So that first step of sanctification is to become more like Christ. We absolutely have to know Christ. Now, that's not saying you know of him. There's a lot of people in this room and across the world that say they know Christ, but it's more, I know of Christ. I know that he's there. I know that he loves me. I know, but I don't truly know him. And what I'm talking about is how many of you guys have had friends and you've hung out so much with that friend that you guys start talking the same and acting the same. You have the same inside jokes. Like you be talking and all of a sudden you start busting up laughing. It's like, dude, I just said potato. What are you talking about? And it's an inside joke because you know that person. There's something in your background where that just strikes you, right? How many of you know Christ the same way? Where you're saying, I know Christ to such a level that I have a relationship with him, and I'm starting to pick up his mannerisms. I'm starting to pick up who he is. You're not going to rub off on him, sorry. He's going to rub off on you. But how many of us spend that time that it takes to get to know Christ at such a level? I love how it says there in verse 10, we're becoming to know Christ. It says, you'll be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. You're renewed as you learn to know God. You become like him as you learn to know him. And so, how many of you have that relationship? You can say, you know what? I know Christ. And like I said before, we were watching that Skip Guys video, Family Camp, for the, if I'm going too fast, wave your hands and shout mercy. Too fast? Good. Okay, a little bit slow. We have, a, we have an interpreter in the back, and i got to make sure that I talk slower because I talk fast. But we're watching Family Camp, and there's another Skip Guys video, and some of you have probably seen it. It's called God Chisel, and essentially it's going through God Chisel. It's Ephesians 2.10. It's going through Ephesians 2.10 where the guy's like saying he wants to become God's masterpiece. And he says this prayer. He's like, God, I want to become what you have for me. I want to become your masterpiece. And in the skit, all of a sudden another guy pops up with a chisel and a hammer, and he's like, I'm God. 
Let's make you into my masterpiece. And so he sits there and he starts chiseling off things of this guy's life that maybe don't need to be there, right? And there comes a point where the guy has been chiseled on so much, he's like, God, 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 isn't that enough? And God goes, look in the mirror. What do you see? And he's like, I see me. I look pretty good. And God goes, exactly. When other people see you, I want them to see my son, not you. To know and to become like Christ is where when we are interacting with people, they see Christ through us. They see what God has done in our lives, and they desire that same thing. So do you know Christ? Do you have that relationship with him? And it doesn't have to be the big, massive relationship. It could just be you're starting. But do you have a relationship with Christ? So that's the first thing. To be like Christ, you have to know him. And the second thing is, is you can't do it alone. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys have ever tried to do something on your own? Like break a habit or even just start a good habit. You ever try to do those on your own? How well does that work? Not so well, right? I've, I've tried to start multiple workout routines. It just doesn't work. One, because I love sleep too much and getting up early does not agree with my life, right? Two, because it's workout, right? Why? I have a hard time running on a treadmill because it seems like a lot of work for doing nothing except for going and, like, stepping. I mean, you're not going anywhere, right? And walking around in a circle, that's why I don't like NASCAR because you just left her, left her, left her. Anyway, sorry. Besides the point, kicking a habit on our own is hard, almost impossible, because there's no accountability. Becoming like Christ on our own is impossible because we don't have the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives. You can't overcome the sin that's in your life. You can't overcome the bad things or the good things that you need to do in your life without some accountability. And the Holy Spirit's there to help us. Look at this in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Again, this is in the New Living. It says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Did you catch that? Who's doing the transforming? God is. So many times when we become Christians, we feel like we've got to change, but we've got to allow God to change us and then that, uh, what does that allow us to do? To know what God's will is. To know what he wants for our lives. When we allow him to change us from the inside out, that's how sanctification works. That's how that process of becoming more like Christ works. I don't know about you, but how many of you have been in your word? You've been reading your Bible. A passage maybe you've read 50 times over. And all of a sudden you read it and something speaks to you on a deep level. And you're just like, Wow. That's God transforming you, saying, hey, this is for you today. I know that you thought you were doing great or you are doing great, but here's another thing you can work on. Or maybe you opened your mouth one or two many times, like I tend to do a lot, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, hey, you need to work on that a little bit. You need to change a little bit. We don't have to do this process on our own. To become more like Christ, we can't do that on our own. It requires the intervention of someone who's a lot more powerful than I am. Because honestly, 
If I was up to me, I'd still be a really, really weird, messed up person from my past, right? So God works through us. We can't change on our own. I love how he uses everyday experiences to show us what he wants us to become. Our mistakes, our successes, his word, just seeing other people and how they interact. God's like, look at that. Look at their relationship. That's what I want you to be like with me. So allow God to work in your life. Allow him to help you go through this process. I don't know about you, and you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you are tired of trying to conquer things in your life on your own? You're trying to overcome those things in your life that have been there for years, and you're just tired of doing it on your own. Let God help you. And we'll have a moment here that you can allow God to do that. So those are the first two steps, but there's also some other things that we need to do. And I, I just want to share a story. I was, most of you probably know this, I was a small engine mechanic for a long time at Mead Rental before it became part of Mead Lumber and now is no longer there. But that's besides the point. So I worked on small engines. I worked on weed eaters, chainsaws, lawnmowers, generators, just a whole bunch of things. One of my least favorite things to work on was a pressure washer. Now, pressure washers aren't that bad normally. But the pressure washer that came from a pig farm was the worst thing in the world to work on. And they used it to clean out their pig pens, their pig bays. They'd spray everything down and to clean those things. I don't know how you'd ever clean those things. It's just nasty. But anyways, they'd try. And if it wasn't working, they'd bring it to me. And be, I wouldn't even let it in my shop, all right? This smelled so bad that I left it out on our concrete pad. They're like, hey, you want this in the shop? No, 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 no. You put it right over here, right there. All right, perfect. And then I'd get out my pressure washer and pressure wash the pressure washer to clean it off a little bit before I'd take it inside because it stunk. I mean, you know what pigs smell like. It's not a beautiful thing. By any way, God, when he made creation, I don't know why he decided to make pigs smell like that. Maybe that's why they were unclean animals in the Old Testament. I don't know. Anyways, it stunk. And so I'd let it sit, let it dry, and then eventually I'd have to work on this machine. And at first, it just was repungent. Even after I pressure washed it, it was nasty. And so I'd take it apart and I'd fix it. But through the process of taking it apart and fixing it and mixing some other things along, I stopped smelling it. I got used to the stink. And I fixed it up. I got the pressure washer working, took it out, tested it. Everything worked great. It was back to normal. But then I walked up back up to the front to where my dad was at. He was my boss. He stopped. He looked at me. He's like, dude, you stink. Like, you reek absolutely nasty. And I was like, in that moment, I took a deep breath. And I'm like, you're right. I am nasty. And so I decided, I was like, all right, I, before I even do anything else, I'm going to go home and I'm going to change and take a shower because this is disgusting. And so I did. I went home and I changed and I took a shower. That's one of the two steps that I think sanctification is, is we have to get rid of the old, nasty stuff of our lives. Those old, nasty clothes that we're so used to, so willing to keep on because it's our stink, right? We're used to it. And so that first step is we need to get rid of the junk in our lives. And the Colossians 3, 5 through 9 says this. It says, to put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, 
the anger of God is coming. Okay, little side note. The anger of God is coming. I don't want to be a part of that, right? God destroyed whole cities, right? This is bad. So you used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. I love the picture here. If you look back at what the terms in the original Greek and and Hebrew looked like, it talks about literally taking off the old nasty clothes. Just like I reeked of pig pen and had to take that off before I could take a shower and become something a little fresher than I was before, there's things in our lives that we need to remove. And they don't even have to be sin. This list is all sin, right? Every one of those things are bad. But sometimes sports takes the place of God in our life, and it needs to be removed. Some of us are pretty upset that the Huskers did not finish up the way they were supposed to yesterday, and they lost the game. When that takes the place of Christ, it becomes bad. Some of us like work. Some of us have relationships that take the place of God. Some of us have hobbies that take the place of God. And while those things, sports, work, relationships, and hobbies aren't necessarily bad, when they take the place of Christ in our lives, then they become bad. And so that first step is sanctification. The process of becoming like Christ is we need to look into our lives and realize what smells. What's part of us that when I go to God, he's like, man, you stink. Man, there's something you need to change. And now God loves us no matter what. But there's times where we've done things, and I'm sure that God just like, man, go shower. Go do something, right? So this morning, the question is, what in your life do you need to stop doing? What in your life that you've had for forever that you need to say, God, I'm done with this. I need to stop it. I need to get rid of it. And so I took a shower, right? I could have went and put back on those old nasty clothes. But the problem is, is I would have still stunk. But yet that's what so many of us do. We get rid of the junk in our lives, and we don't replace it with something better. We don't replace it with something clean. We don't replace it with something godly. We decide, you know what, I'm done. But then eventually we go pick up that old nasty clothes again and put them back on. Part of sanctification is getting rid of stuff, but you've got to replace the bad stuff with good stuff, right? You've got to stop doing something, but then you've got to start doing things. So the second is you've got to replace the junk that you removed from your life with godly things. Because if you don't, eventually you're going to go back and put on those nasty clothes again without washing them. You're going to go back into that old sinful behavior because you have nothing to take the place of it. You have nothing that's going to change in your life. You're like, oh, I stopped doing it. Sometimes we have bad friends, right? And you decide, all right, I'm not going to hang out with those friends no more. But you don't get good friends. And eventually you're going to get lonely. Eventually you're going to get bored. And you're going to decide, man, I, I got to talk to somebody. I got to be hanging out with someone. And you're going to go back to the same old friends you had. So when you stop doing something, then you need to start doing something. And again, I love Colossians 3. Colossians 3 is arguably my favorite chapter of the Bible. And the heading's literally living a life pleasing to Christ. If you want to live a life pleasing to Christ, there you go. Right? And so Colossians 3, 12 through 15 says this. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, 
You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Always be thankful. In a situation like me, you would not go put on the old nasty clothes, right? You're going to go put on new clothes. Even if they're work clothes that are clean, you're still going to put on new clothes. The same way in our life, we need to start godly habits to replace the old ones that were washed away. If you're someone who has problems with a certain area, find something good in that area to do instead. If you had problems with tearing people down, decide that you're going to build people up instead. If you had problems with pornography, decide that you're going to look at people the way that God looks at people instead of the way you were looking at them before. Decide to replace the bad things in your life with good things, and that's what sanctification is all about, where God has shown you what you need to change, and you change it the way that God wants you to change it. That's sanctification. That's the process of becoming like Christ. And the cool thing is, is it's, it's a process every day. Even you can ask any pastor, there's still things that God shows us, and he's like, dude, you're doing really bad in that, or you're doing really good in that. I read the Bible, and God still speaks to me. It doesn't matter how new of a Christian or how long you've been a Christian, God still wants to speak to you, right? So you need to replace the things that you stopped in your life with things that are better, things that God wants you to do. That's what sanctification is, the process of taking the old, nasty self and turning it into something that God can use, that people don't see us, don't see how fantastic we are, but they see how fantastic God is. Because ultimately, when people look at us, they should see the testimony that we have, which is God took me from what I was and made me into something new that glorifies him. Right? So the question again is, do you need to start some good things in your life? Do some of you... You've gotten rid of the old things, but you haven't replaced it with anything new. So I've told you two stories today, one about conditioning that I absolutely detest to this day, and one about my wonderful pig uh, pressure washer, right? There's two things about those stories that are in common. And the first thing is, is there was always someone who wanted me to improve. There's always someone who wanted me to change. The first one was my coach, Right? He's like, dude, you're kind of out of shape. You've been swimming at the beach and drinking Coke too much. You need to stop that. And the second one is my dad. He's like, dude, you reek. You need to go change. So there's always someone who wanted to change. And the second one is, is I had to do something. I had to go and run those wonderful ladders or whatever they're called now. I had to go and change and take a shower. The same thing with the process with God. Is this twofold? God wants you to change. God wants to use you. He wants to do something amazing with your life. But you also have to take the steps to move towards God. Because God's already standing there. He's already saying, I'm waiting. I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. But until you make that step, He's not going to just be like, Oh, you know me now. It's not the way it works. God has to do something. So if the worship team would come back up. So the question becomes, where are you in your relationship with God? Are you at that beginning stage where you're saying, I have no idea who God is, but I want to get to know him. 
I want to know who he is and what he has for my life. Or maybe you finally realize you can't do this on your own. That you can't conquer your sins. You can't conquer the addictions. You can't get over the things that are in your heart on your own. And you need God's help. Or maybe there's some things in your life that you need to stop doing or start doing. You're saying, you know what, I got rid of the junk, but I kind of got to start doing the good things now. So we're going to sing this last song, and I just encourage you to look at your own life. Take a self-assessment and say, God, what smells in me? Or God, how can I have a better relationship with you? And if you're out there and you're saying, you know what, I don't know God, it's as simple as this. You getting alone with God and saying, God, I love you and I want to know you. There's no magic formula. There's no special saying. It's just you deciding that you want God to be the Lord of your life, that you want God to change you. And so I'm going to pray, and I just encourage you as we go through this last song that take a time to pray. You can come up here to the altars. You can stay right where you're sitting. It's not the position of where you're at in this room. It's the position of your heart towards God. If you want to change, then God's going to help you change. Heavenly Father, God, we looked at your word. God, and we saw who you are and what you have for us. This morning, God, I just ask that you would work on each and every one of our hearts. That if we don't know you, God, we, we, we know of you, but we don't truly know you, God, that you would allow us to know you on a deep level. That you would start that process of us becoming more like you, us knowing you, God. And then, God, if there's things that we need to change, I just ask that you would help us to change those things, Lord Jesus. I ask that you would help us to become more like you. If we need to start good things, Lord, I ask that we would start those things. If we need to stop doing things, God, I just ask that we would stop doing those things. And, Lord, I just ask that you would be here. So if you need to find a place to pray, you can. If you just want to worship with us, you can do that too.